Hello, everybody. Good day, everybody. Welcome to the show, the big show, the 3BY podcast. And here we are on the road again somewhere in Florida. In Florida. We don't live in Florida. We live in North Missouri. So you might assume that we're traveling. <laughs> Which is what brought to mind doing a podcast on prepping for travel. Uh, we do a lot of traveling. I mean, we do a lot of traveling. It's part of it's because that's what we do. Part of it's because of our avocations, and uh, some of it is job-related. So we do traveling, and for right now, we're driving down a road north of Panama City Beach. And everybody knows where the story of Panama City Beach. It is, up until recently, party central, and we say up until recently because they have passed a law, no alcohol on the beach, which is kind of being a buzzkill for the college kids. It's apparently killed their spring break business. Isn't that a shame? They can't come to PCB to spring break anymore. Well, they can come, but they can't drink. On the beach. On the beach. And that kind of takes the whole... Anyway... That uh, actually ties into one of the things we're going to talk about today, believe it or not. So we're, we're talking about uh, things to th- for preppers like us to think about as we're traveling. Now, we're also, as you, we've talked about this before, we're both divers. We're, we like to stick our nose into the occasional cave. And yes, we do actually have training. We know it's a technical a technical form of diving. We do have certifications to stick our nose into the cave. So it's not something a normal open water diver should do. It's very much a preppers kind of pastime, though, because two is definitely one when you're cave diving. Yes. Um, But part of that is one of the things about cave diving, and then I'm also an underwater photographer, is it is X exceedingly gear intensive and then you got to take your spares too uh we're in fact on our way to a dive shop to get some (laughs) batteries for because three of our four dive computers went out yesterday one one only went out because it had a broken strap but still that kind of so we're off on the day we're off on the road for parts Yes, despite being checked three days ago. Despite being checked, and one of them just died. I don't know why. I'm not diagnosed. It may just be bad batteries. But I put new batteries in last week. Anyway, not the whole point is we're driving in a rental car because we rent cars to uh, make these big, long trips. It's much, I mean, we get a brand new car for two weeks. We don't have to worry about a lot of the stuff. And if, if it breaks down in uh, St. Augustine, Florida... Well, it's not our car. We don't have to worry about getting it home. So that's a that's actually a rental cars are actually a prep. You wouldn't think so, but when you're traveling, they can be. If you're going to take a big long vacation, it very much behooves you to look at renting a car, taking your own car and having driving three thousand miles on your own car is not necessarily going to save you money over renting a car. So. You know, there's a thought. We rent a car, but because we carry dive gear, and because we carry underwater camera equipment, and please keep in mind, you have the camera, you have the housing, you have the lights, you have the cases that go in. It is very bulky, and it does not leave a lot of room left in the car for anything else. Yeah, the whole four tanks of compressed air are kind of a thing, too. Yes. 
and then the tanks are kind of big. And we're only, we only bring four because we're just doing basic, we're just sticking around the caverns. It's been a while, we're a little rusty, so we're not really going doing deep penetrations. Um, if some of the guys who do these dives will have 10 or 12 tanks per dive. That's not us. No. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do the 10 or 12 tanks per dive. No. But some, I mean, some people, a full pickup truck is one dive. So, anyway, long story short, there's not a lot of room. So, I had to, we had an issue. I had to, I had a boot failure on one of the computers. The strap broke. I was going to pop it out and put it in a different boot. And I didn't have a screwdriver in the car to pop the, pop the, the gauge out. <laughs> I saw that bag of tools when I was packing the car and looked at everything else that had to go in the car. So that's one of the things. Some risks you just got to accept from the nature of travel. Now, we, I knew I was leaving my tool kit behind. but We do have what's known as a save-a-dive kit, which has it's a basically a spare parts bag with all kinds of different spare parts, O-rings, and we have a wrench. We can, sw- we can swap out uh, uh, regulators. We can swap. We can swap out darn near anything. If it wanted a Phillips head instead of a flathead screwdriver, I'd have had him covered. <laughs> but it needed a flathead screwdriver. And that's one thing we did not have in our, well, we're going to very soon. Uh, but we didn't have it today. So not a huge, not a huge deal, but, you know, it, it could have, uh, had we not worked around. And, of course, we can dive tables, too. We don't have to dive on the computer. We can dive on the tables because we've been table trained. They probably so, don't know what that means, but... Okay, for any of you divers out there, we dove the tables instead of relying on the computers. Okay. So, long story short, just a perfect example. So, what does this mean? It means we can take clothing. All right. We can take um, some spare food. But we're really not going to be able to take a bunch of get-home stuff. We've got one bag's worth it's about a 15-pound oh, bag where I've got an emergency med kit, and I've got a little uh, little food and water supplies, and basically it's my three-day bag worth of stuff is, is here. Bottom line, water filtration. Though, bottom line, though, if we have an EMP event and we're in Florida, we're in Florida. We're just going to have to depend on our smarts and our skills to get us by. Because we'll be road people. There's just no way about it. This is a risk we take yep. to do what we want to do. Because there's, you know, you can sit around all day long in, in, in a shell. You can be Bert the Turtle and sit in your shell and not live your life because you're too afraid that something bad might happen. That's not how we choose to do this. We like to take reasonable care. Um, so anyway, we made a list of stuff that... that uh, that we think about and we think it's important for everybody to think about when they travel, whether it be on vacation, business, whatever. And these are all risks that, that everybody has to has to determine whether the risk is worth the reward. So, Yeah. We decided to take the risk of having the three-day bag and a car jump kit, and yeah. that's what we've got. Always take a car jump or, kit. I don't care where you're going. They don't take up much space. Always take a car jump kit. We do have the things consider. We did consider the territory we intended to go through as well as our destination yes which is why we have a pair of a boots snow boots for me yep. 
and a closed-toed shoes for Ken, not just the beach sandal kind of thing because of the ter- territory we're going through. The Florida people probably wonder what that big thing is in the back window that's actually an ice scraper. <laughs> yeah, they, they have no idea what an ice scraper is, I'm sure. Not around here. <laughs> this is about us and doing podcasts that makes us cough. Talking a lot. Oh, okay. Well. Uh, here in the glove compartment, we have a whole packet of laminated maps. Because we get those laminated fold-up maps for every state we go through. And if we're going to expecting to get very much off the main roadways, we also have a set of paper maps for the state, which are more detailed. Now, I'm a huge, huge... Well, we, we use GPS. We're, we're, um, we've, got a, we've got a Garmin that's running here and saying, turn in 28 miles. So, you know, we're big believers in the GPS. We love GPS, but we're huge believers in maps, too, because sometimes, I don't know, every trip, it seems like, I'm like, okay, give me another route. Or, hey, I, we just passed... Uh, where is oil trough? Look that up. We just passed oil trough, Arkansas. <laughs> Look that thing up. Where is that? Or, you know, whatever. So, you know, we're like, okay, I don't want to take the interstate. Give me another road. Do I need to go four miles north, four miles south? Well, give me the highway. The last uh, trip we came down here, there was some serious flooding. We ran into flooding as we're going through uh, Alabama. And here it is. Dark at night. It was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Oh, it was flooding all over. It was Christmas Eve. And, you know, almost everything was closed. A whole bunch of the roads were closed. They hadn't got out the markers for the closed roads yet. And the GPS so, was useless. Yeah, because... It's trying to take us roads that were underwater. Yeah, it didn't know which roads were closed, of course. So we grabbed out the paper map, and we found some routes that were open, and we got there in good shape. But we were very glad to have the paper maps that night. And they're also great for, for roll-with-it vacations or trips where you're just like, okay, um, here, there's a red road. Let's take that one. <laughs> we haven't been here before. Yeah, we haven't been here before. I mean, how else do you find places like Oil Trough, Arkansas? Which, by the name, is named for a trough of bear fat they used to keep in front of the town. Everybody had dumped the bear fat in after they got done bear hunting, one supposes. And then they'd all sell the uh, rendered bear fat. So now you know, Oil Trough, Arkansas. It's a real place. So, pressing right along. Okay. Uh, As part of prepping for where you're going to go through, uh, consider weapon loss if you're carrying. Even if you're carrying just something like pepper spray. Because some states have weird laws. And some municipalities. Let's say, for example, to get here. What we generally had to drive, we had to drive through parts of St. Louis County. We did the basically the bypass. I don't like driving down through the city when I don't have to. Um, but what the we're taking, we took the 270 North bypass. And let me help you understand what that means. It's not like it's, yeah, you're on the interstate, but you drive right through the middle of. The Ferguson Florissant area where all the riots were a couple of years ago. I mean, this is this is riot central. If you have a problem and you have to get off on New Florissant Road, which used to be North Florissant Road, I know that because I used to live on North Florissant Road in Ferguson many years ago. But if you get off in that area, um, hey, I'm just telling you, that's where the riots were. 
And you all know the National uh, Ferguson riots. They were right up on the fluorescent line. So you got to come. And they have different gun laws in St. Louis County than we do in the rest part of the state. Here in Florida, you can't even carry pepper spray without a concealed carry permit. And, uh, Which, conveniently, I have. Yes, we actually <laughs> both have. Florida's weird on their concealed carry permits. Most states have reciprocals, okay? But, you know, like, for example, Missouri, if I'm carrying my concealed carry license in Missouri, I have a non-resident Florida concealed carry license. It reciprocates to Missouri. But my Missouri license does not reciprocate in Florida for me as a non-resident. It's a weird, weird law. The only way to legally carry in Florida is to have a non-resident Florida concealed carry license. It's weird. But the good news is they're very cheap to have. Uh, they're auto-renew if you pay them the money. And they're exceedingly easy to get if you can take a class. The classes are not as challenging as some other classes I have taken in life. Yeah, you had to fire a handgun so you knew what one felt like. What the heck are you doing carrying a concealed weapon if you don't know how to fire the dang thing? Right. So, Whereas a state yeah. like a state of Missouri, now it is a constitutional carry, but you can still get a concealed carry license for various reasons we don't need to get into. Uh, you have to pass a shooting test, and you have to go through a day's worth of classes, yada, yada. And then there are states like the People's Republic of Illinois, which basically makes their concealed carry licenses out of an, out of an obtainium. It's a special material used for concealed carry licenses in places like New York, Illinois, and Hawaii. So, anyway... Just, just so, ahead. If you're heading to Florida and you're planning to carry, you gotta have a Florida concealed carry, yeah. non-residence license. That's actually the only thing I use my concealed carry license for anymore. Living <laughs> in Missouri, which is constitutional carry, is I stick it in my pocket along with the pepper spray gun when I go walking on the beach by myself at night. Now, one of the good news, or good things about having uh, multiple uh, a non-resident concealed carry license we chose florida for several different reasons one of the least of which is it was we could get one um it was there was a class offered in our area but if you have multiple state concealed carry licenses where you have one ours is non-resident in florida and get a missouri resident license that covers almost everybody will take one of those two there's only a couple of states that don't take Illinois, New Jersey, Hawaii, you know, the usual suspects. The people who had to be beaten over the head by the federal courts before they would accept concealed carry yeah. at all. Basically. So having those two really expands the, although I admit I do not have a Missouri concealed carry license because I don't need one. Yeah. I just, it's, con, it's constitutional carry and my Florida license worked in Missouri. So, yeah, there you go. But I just want to throw that out there as an option. So why would I get a concealed carry license in a different state? Well, there is there is good reason. And if you're going to do one, pick one like Florida, where it covers, you know, 38 states are covered by Florida. It's a hugely accepted license. Okay. Next thing on the list here, you, I certainly hope you have made plans with all your family members and people you care about if you can't communicate where are you going to meet up? 
if that place is impossible, where else are you going to meet up? If those two places are impossible, how else are you going to get in contact with each other? You ought to have a couple of fallback plans for that at home. At home, yeah, absolutely. You should. Everybody should know this is my one place, this is our two places, this is our three places, this is our four place, and even to the point of our one place nearby, our two place. For example, if there's a fire, you know where to go. Yep. You know where everybody in the family is going to, even if you're not coming out the same door, you're all going to meet up at a certain spot. For example, our work, we have a a, a plan at work where... Everybody, if there's a fire, is to meet at the across the street at the car wash. So they can count noses and make sure nobody's left in the building. In fact, <laughs> I remember uh, a coworker who hasn't unfortunately passed by now. But that coworker, I, I'm the guy. Of course, I'm the safety guy at work. Of course. So I set up the plan, and she's like well, why not just go to the gas station next door? And I'm like, it's a fire. You want us to go to the next door gas station. Think about this for a minute. The place that sprays water all over everything or the place that has exploding gasoline? Hmm. Hmm. Tough call. But you can get coffee at the gas station. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Why don't we go ahead and go to the car wash instead of the place with gas fumes all over the place? Anyway. So, yeah, like at PCB, which is where we're staying right now, um, we have a plan. We have a plan. We get separated, at, or the hotel catches on fire, and we have to have a place to meet up. Walk down the beach to the nearby pier and meet up the pier. Yeah, it's far enough away that it, it'll probably be somewhere we could still get to. But it's an easy walk. And it gets us away from the problem area. Yeah. Because I don't have my phone in my pocket when I'm out there playing in the ocean. <laughs> I hear that iPhones don't do well when immersed in salt water, and I'm not really anxious to find out. Actually, mine does fine. Yours is the older model, which doesn't do as well. How about I not find out? So, you know, I, I couldn't just expect to call if, you know, something weird went on at the hotel. Couldn't just ex- call and tell them where I'd be. So now we've got a spot would know where to find each other. So have a plan when you're traveling as well. If your family members separate, what are you going to do if the expected plan of meetup can't happen? What's the backup plan? And another one, which is dear to a cyclist's heart, is to consider the weather uh, when you're going on excursions. Not only the weather as it is and as it's expected to be, but uh, things that might happen. You always see this when you go to get on hiking trails in the mountains. They'll tell you, we know it's August. Bring mittens anyway. Sometime it snows up here in August. When you're a cyclist, you head out into the headwind. Which way would you like to ride today? Upwind. Why? Because especially if you're not experienced, you'll get a very false sense of security if you start out with a tailwind. Yeah, my boss and a couple of coworkers did that several years ago. None of these people are cyclists. They just rented a rented a uh, beach cruisers right along the beach, and and the, the wind was blowing, and so they were like, "Oh yeah, it's much easier to go this way." They went that way, and you know they went about eight miles, 
And then they was like, okay, it's time to turn around and go home. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is impossible. They could, I mean, they almost had to walk the bikes home because, you know, ocean breezes can be stiff. And they literally called for pickup because they couldn't do it. So just if it's easy going out, you may have to pay the piper coming back. Now, we always, when you're a cyclist, you pay attention to the wind very much. We always try to go out into the wind. And then there are those horrid, horrid days when the wind switches. Evil thing. And you get the the um, headwind both ways. That'll happen, you know, like once out of every ten trips you do, you'll, that'll switch on you, at least in Missouri. And, of course, it could possibly be trailwind both ways, but <laughs> not that, often. that never happens. <laughs> Since that's we don't start out million. with a tailwind, that's generally not how it works. <laughs> yeah. There have been a couple of times, though, when the wind was blowing so ridiculously hard, like 35, 40 miles an hour. It's ridiculous. And it's a straight stretch. I've actually hopped in the car, threw the bike in there, took her out there, let her, let her just Woo-hoo! sail home. <laughs> It's a good way to pick up a lot of miles in a hurry. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, my plan is never go out any further than I can come back in comfort under the expected conditions and reliably under unexpected conditions. Because <laughs> the wind can switch. And we've had and storms come does. up on us in a, just out of the blue. Or what happens, you know, you're warm enough now, but what if you get a shower when you're halfway out and have to walk back wet? Which well, happened to me this morning, which was fine because yeah, it's Florida. Uh, yeah, and she was well dressed, and I knew it might rain on me. So yeah. So and it's the okay. other thing too is you know and you know your know your conditions too. Like I mean by that is if you're walking on a beautiful, hard packed dirt road, and you just go for a hike, all right, and it starts to rain, and that turns into a mire of mud because the hard surface is only on the very surface and it's wet underneath. We get this a lot when we're riding our bicycles on like the Katy Trail, which is macadamized. It's crushed limestone. But a lot of it is just a layer of limestone over what gets to be um, more like glue than anything else. <laughs> And your tires just start sinking in, and it becomes glue, and it is a knee-destroying, hope-crushing event. If you weigh twice as much as Spice weighs. (laughs) I mean, it could could crush your soul. (laughs) Some of that stuff. Knowing you've got to go 20 miles in that kind of stuff. So just pay attention. And... um, Everything's not just like it is at home. So. No, everything is not just like it is at home. In fact, the weather patterns are not going to be the same. Like you go to go to Hawaii, or you can go to the Big Island, where they have every weather pattern on the planet. It can be July or August in Hawaii and snow on you. It can happen. It has happened. It hasn't happened to us, but it can happen. You just have to be at the top of Mauna Loa or Mauna Kea for it to happen, but there's stuff at the top of Mauna Kea. Yeah, we've talked to the snowplow driver that lives in Hawaii. And he, the, he, the 
professional snowplow driver. And he is on call year-round because it even snows in the summertime up there. Um, So a place like Hawaii, is the weather is pretty well predictable. It's where you are on the island and what altitude you're at. Yes, exactly. There's nothing like at home. You know, at home, you know, storm fronts come in. And now, if you're, if it's ten o'clock, at a certain altitude, at a certain time of year, you know what it's going to be doing. Like if you're in Hilo, you know it's going to be raining in the winter at ten o'clock a.m. It's just going. That's what's going to be happening. It just is because you're in a rainforest, and that's what it does. So anyway. But places, if you're traveling to the Big Island, it's a very safe place to travel. You're not taking your guns, of course. But um, you pay attention to stuff. I mean, the wind can shift. And if, if um, Kilauea is active and you're, in the, you're hiking in the Kilauea area, uh, pay, I mean, those gases can kill you. You have to pay attention. I remember one of the stupidest things we've ever seen. <laughs> we were at... Um, the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory at Kilauea. And we were standing there looking down across Haluma'uma'u, which is this giant crater. Okay? And the crater has has opened up, and it was steaming and smoking and spewing poisonous gas. And there are four people who ignored all signs walking across the Haluma'uma'u crater. Now, there are many volcanic craters at Kilauea that are perfectly safe to walk across. In fact, one of them is really cool. Um, the uh, Iki, was it? Kilauea mm, Iki? Yeah. Yeah. Iki. Really great hike. Love it. Yeah. It's one of her favorite hikes. I do it because she loves it. And it's a great place to take pictures. But long story short, these people were about, when they got to the other side, they were going to get arrested because even the volcanists weren't going to go out there where they were because it was so freaking dangerous because of the gases. They'd closed that part of the park because of the poisonous gas. And another thing, too, you know, if you're in a place that has some natural dangers, like Kilauea, for example, there used to be this really cool overlook that we used to go out there every time we were in the park. And we'd go out there and we'd stand there and we'd look down. I had this beautiful rock and it had um, the native uh, Hawaiian people would leave their offerings to the goddess Pele. It isn't there anymore because it blew up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you had been there when it blew up, it could have been a very bad thing. Fortunately, it happened in the middle of the night, so nobody was there. But, but you pay so, attention to local hazards. Yeah, you do. I mean... If you're going to the ocean, you just be aware there are fish that will eat you. There are a lot more fish that will sting you. You can really get some nasty uh, sea urchin spines embedded in you if you're not paying attention. All kinds of this stuff. Just pay attention. Know what you're doing. A riptide can kill you. Yeah, we probably sound like a bunch of uh, timid old women here with all these threats and hazards but yet we do a whole lot of yeah, say, yeah. a whole lot of we, things we are, just pay attention to yeah. all and we know about the threats and hazards because we know what's going on we've been out in riptides yeah and we've been in some incredible currents in the ocean 
we we know what surge is. And in we, the caves. And in caves. We've been in, you know, we've been in caves where the current was so hard you just had, literally had to pull yourself into them. And if you let go, they would just blow you out of the cave. Which I Which strongly recommend because it's a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a heck of a lot of fun. It's like a walk. <laughs> park. Oh, let's do that again. Go to the mouse with something like Jackson Blue when it's in full flow. You get out there and you just let go. And yeah, you just, yeah. Wee! You're crawling in there like a shrimp, grabbing rock to rock to, your to pull your way. Your hands get shredded because you don't, you're not wearing gloves in a cave. And, yeah, and you're just because you're using these rocks. And then you just kind of let go. And it just... All the way across the mill pond. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. Yeah. But if you didn't know that was going to happen and how to get out of it, I saw some very unhappy kids there who thought that would be a really good time, but then they didn't know how to get out of it. And it took them, you know, most of a mile downstream before they figured out how to get out of the flow. And then they had to walk all the way back up the shore, which was not nearly as much fun because mosquitoes. <laughs> Let me teach you, if you don't know how to get out of a current, you swim across it. Swim across it. Riptide, same thing. Swim across it. Although, we do have, I have, we talked about this. The single most weenie thing that America does are these, di- are these beach flags. <laughs> the, the, the beach hazard flags. Oh, that, that's God. not where you want to get oh. your information, guys. Yeah, because, I mean, we're looking at, was it two days ago? I mean, it was mill pond still, still. I mean, it was as still as you get, and still they were still at the yellow flag. They weren't. They didn't even go to blue or green. I mean, yeah, we had all of six inch rollers, <clears throat> maybe coming in off the Gulf. I mean, yeah. it was if if the the wave hit your feet, it wouldn't even make your ankles wet. Kind of rollers. <laughs> we're using the term rollers uh, <laughs> with a with a smile. And they still had the yellow out because apparently there could be riptides. Yeah, I found one. It was six inches wide and six inches deep. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know why they even bother saying there's a green flag because I've never seen them use one. I think they say it so they can always point to the fact that, well, we warned you it wasn't completely safe. But I've been at the ocean in this particular place hundreds of times now, and I've never seen a green flag. I've seen yellow flags, I've seen red flags, I've seen double red flags, and double red flags really... Even the purple from time to time. Yeah, purple. Purple is a dangerous wildlife. Now, there is a difference between the red and the yellow, and there's a difference between the red, which is high risk, and double red, which is don't even think so. And purple is marine life. But the green is just there on the signs. I doubt they even own them. You know, first, and people say here... Uh, dangerous marine life, the first thing they'll think is shark, but usually it's something more along the lines jellyfish. of jellyfish. And yeah, you don't want to get stung by a jellyfish. Or sometimes microorganisms, red tides. Yeah. Get the marine flag. <clears throat> Sorry. So yeah, there we go. What else we got on our list? Is that it? That was all I had on this list. Okay, so uh, we're looking good. We're going to stick a fork in this puppy. We are approaching our destination. So We are approaching our destination. Well, not really, but... Yeah, not too far. Pretty close. We're looking at a swamp now. Look at all those cypress knees sticking up. And it is worth my time to just look at these cypress swamps. So Cypress swamps are cool. Okay, we're going to hang this up, and uh, if you go traveling, be safe. Wear your seatbelt, as always. But enjoy the, enjoy the road. Enjoy the road. <laughs>